We're excited that you're joining us online today. At Calvary, we are connecting people to Christ and to community. We hope you're inspired by today's message. So last year, our mortgage, I don't have the numbers exactly, but I'm going to just estimate. So last year, at the beginning of the year, our mortgage was right around $170,000. Someone gave a very generous gift, and we knocked that down to $120,000. At the annual general meeting, because of my lack of faith, I said, wouldn't it be awesome if by next annual general meeting, theoretically, that that was paid off? So this week, someone brought a check for the exact amount that was written in the back of the bulletin last week, the $5,578 or whatever it was, to pay that mortgage off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're singing that song, Do It Again, and we're saying, this is my confidence that you've never failed me yet. And like, truthfully, last year at the AGM, it was like, in my mind, it was like a hope. And, it, and I wasn't confident enough to say, let's do it. And then, but the, like that song says, this is my confidence that you've never failed me yet. And so God has been so faithful to us over this year. And for some of you, this is like your first week here and you're like, well, that's neat. Some of you, you've been like, you've been here for 50 years and, uh, you know, like, not that that particular mortgage isn't 50 years old, but that one's about 15 years old. So some of you were here when we built the gym and you were at the silent auction when I bought a bike that I still have. And, uh, you know, there was other stuff that was sold like that. I was just trying to like scrape through to raise as much money as we could so that when we started, <laughs> we could, <laughs> we could start with a certain amount of money, right? And, um, but God is faithful, right? He's faithful and uh, he'll, and no matter what you're facing, right? Like for, for you, that maybe seems like a small mountain compared to what you're facing right now. And that's probably true in some of our lives. But God is faithful. And he's able. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or even imagine. Right? Like, isn't that, like, last year, it's beyond, I mean, I could imagine it, I suppose. But it was beyond what I was willing to say. And, uh, and God did that. And there are things in your life that are like beyond what you'd be willing to say, right? Like you'd hope for them, you'd wish for them, but you're, you're not ready to tell somebody that I, I think that God is going to do this. God is able. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could even ask or imagine, right? Isn't that neat? God is so good. Amen. So yeah, we serve a good and awesome God, and he's faithful. And uh, yeah, like it's a testament to the faithfulness of God, it's also a testament to, like the other thing I love about it is we did this together. Like there was a big gift given, but we did this together. People jumped in. Last year we said if every, I don't remember the number, but if every member gave $741 or it was somewhere in that neighborhood, then by next year it'd be gone. And, uh, you know, like there were people that gave more than that and made up for those who couldn't give that. And, and together... Um, we, you know, we're seeing miracles. We're seeing God do great things. And so it's exciting times to be a part of Calvary. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray. And then we're going to get into the word. Father, we're thankful. Again, just remember, re reminded of that marriage conference this weekend. Thankful for what you're doing in relationships. And so, God, I pray for those that were there and those that are here today that, um, 
that uh, weren't there and those that are here today that aren't married, that have a different relationship status. But we all have friends. We all have relationships. They're all, all of us have people in our lives that we can invest in and that are investing in us. And so, God, we just pray into relationships this morning that uh, we'd be good at community, God. That at Calvary, we'd be good at reaching out to people. That you would enable us by your Holy Spirit to reach people. And, Father, we're thankful for this mortgage being paid off. And we give you glory today. We just exalt you. And we acknowledge and recognize that it's you, Lord Jesus. It's you. That you are our provider. You, God, are the your Jehovah. You're the one who provides. And uh, so, Father, we're thankful for that. And God, I pray that it would stir faith in people, that it would remind people that you're a miracle-working God, and that as we look at other obstacles in our life, that we'd remember that you're a faithful God. And this is our confidence, that you've never let us down. You've never failed us yet. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, we're in a series of messages that we've just simply called How to Study the Bible, and we've been looking at a different method of how you might go about studying the Bible every single Sunday, and we're going to do that again today. Today, we're going to talk about a topical method. So the topical method is just kind of how it sounds. You would pick a topic, and you would either in one single book or throughout the whole scriptures, you would find all the verses on that topic kind of collect them, and then try to get a sense of what the Bible teaches us about that whole topic. Uh, again, either in one single book or throughout the whole of Scripture. And so today we're going to do that. We're going to do a topical study on the words friends, friend, and friendship in the book of Proverbs. Okay? So we're kind of talking about relationships this weekend. And as I was praying about it, um, those of you who were at the marriage conference, you already had tons of awesome marriage content. And we just need to apply some of that stuff. And, uh, there are, again, there are, like, there are people here today who aren't married and who maybe don't want to be married or wish they were married or, you know, whatever. Like our relationship statuses are all over the place. And, but today, all of us are a friend to somebody and we have a friend there and we certainly need a friend even if you're here today and you'd say you'd acknowledge that you don't have a close friend it's a need for all of us in our lives and so it's something that we can pray and ask God that he would bring and provide for us today so but through the book of Proverbs we're going to look at um, we won't read every single one of the verses today because there's a number of them but we're going to read through many of them most of the ones that kind of apply most directly to what we're uh, what we're looking at today but um I want to say this, it's, this is a really important subject, okay? Because as I was studying it, I was thinking about how if I say, we're talking about friends today, that some of you might think like, isn't there more important things that we could talk about, you know, aren't there other things that we could discuss this morning? But you've probably heard me say this many times, you would have also heard many other people say this, I don't know where the quote originates, but if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future, if you show me kind of the five people that you spend the most time with, then we can see the trajectory of your life. Sociologists actually say that we are an average, we end up being an average of the five closest people that we, that are, you know, so our five closest friends, the five people that we spend the most time with that we're the closest to, we end up being an average of those five people. So in those five people, often we won't make the most money, we'll be somewhere in the middle there. We probably won't get in the most trouble, we'll be somewhere in the middle there, right? We, uh, you know, we won't be the most um, spiritually kind of hungry and hard after God, we might be somewhere in the middle there. 
And if that's true, that we end up kind of the average of the five people that we spend the most time with, then if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? We can see the trajectory of where we're headed. And if that's not important, then I don't know what is, right? If, that's, if it's going to have that much influence on our life, then it's important. And it continues to be important even when we're like 86 or whatever, right? Because often this is a message we would talk to teenagers about and we'd be like, be careful who you hang out with. And, uh, you know, so if you're 86 here today, I'm saying be careful who you hang out with because uh, it still matters. It's still important who influences us and who speaks into our life. And I'm going to talk about, I'm joking about that, because I'll, I'll, in a few minutes we'll talk about how Jesus was known as a friend of sinners and how he didn't avoid people. Like It's not like we're avoiding people. We're not trying to hang out with, we only hang out with perfect people because our goal is to be perfect. And, you know, because we couldn't hang out with anybody and no one could hang out with us and we'd all have to be sitting in our house, in our room alone because, we, you know, we would all in, influence each other, you know, just negatively in some way. So we're not talking about that. But we do need to have people around us who are challenging us, who are positive influences on us, who are helping us move in the right direction. So um, ver- Proverbs 13, verse 20. We're going to start there. Proverbs 13, verse 20. says, as you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. If you associate with fools, then you get into trouble. Okay? Walk with the wise, you'll become wise. So I want you to think about every area of your life, right? So if you want to have a good marriage... It's like, am I hanging out with people who are doing marriage well? Do they have good marriages? Do they love each other? Are, they, are we hanging out because they're avoiding their spouse, <laughs> right? Like, um, do, they, do I'm hanging out with people that are doing marriage well? If I want to ha- be stronger financially, am I hanging out with people that know how to manage money? Like, is there anybody? And again, it doesn't have to be everybody, but is there somebody in your circle who knows how to manage money, who, you know, has, I was going to say two pennies to rub together, but I guess it would have to be nickels now, but... Uh, you know, like if I want to be stronger spiritually, is there somebody in my circle who can lead me in that way, who can pray for me, who can help me understand what, it, what I would even do or where I would start if I wanted to become stronger spiritually? Is, is there some, you know, if I have ambition for my future, if I want to keep moving and growing and, I, and I, I'm not satisfied with where I am and I want to continue to grow, then is there somebody around me who's, who's like that as well, who wants to grow, who, who's reading, who's learning, who's moving forward, right? Is there anybody who's kind of helping us do that if we were to look through, you know, our every area of our life, is there somebody around us who could kind of help us go to the next level? And so I was thinking about this, and and I I prayed it earlier, but we've talked about community a lot, and but I was praying again this week that God would make us good at doing community, because I was thinking about what an advantage we could give to our kids if we as a church do community well. Like our kids, our young people, our young adults who are coming up. Because like as much as you wish it wasn't true, your mom was right when she said you become like those you run with, right? Like it's unfortunately, like unfortunately your mom was right. And, uh, but you become like those you run with. And what if we were able to offer this community to young people who are coming up in Calvary where there's a group of people <clears throat> that they can run with, right? That there's wise people that they could look to, that they could see what it is to live spiritually. They could see what it is to have a good marriage. They could see what it is to be able to manage money, all those kinds of things, right? Every year of their life, that they could look to somebody that we could offer them, like what a leg up that is, right? What a lift that is. They won't even know it. They won't even realize it. Like I, I, was, li- I was listening to uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick one time, and he was talking about 
it actually might have been his wife, Holly. I think it was his wife, Holly. But he said, she said that my kids don't even realize that they, they hit the lottery. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, they hit the lottery when they had Pastor Stephen as their dad, right? And, um, and in the same way, like our young people won't even realize they won't even like they won't even be able to point to it and say like man uh, that's so good because of the church that I was a part of. They may not even see it until 10 years down the road, but they'll hit the lottery because we do community well. Because there's people that they can run with and they'll they'll get so much benefit and so much influence out of it that they won't even realize until years down the road when they'll be like man, that's because of so and so. That's because of my Sunday school teacher. That's because of my youth leaders. Right? We give them a leg up. We, we lift them. And in the same way, like I, I, I point to young people, but in the same way, we can do that for each other, right? As peers, we do that for each other. We, we give somebody, somebody to run with who they can go to and they can say, hey, like, oh, yes, you're awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, but we give people somebody they can run with, right? Somebody they could become like, somebody they could even aspire to be like. Because as you get older, we might even do it more consciously. We might even do it more intentionally and say like, I gotta spend time with these people because they're where I need to be, right? But we give people this community of people that they can run with. So Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But the second half of it is true as well, right? Associate with fools and you get into trouble. And... I've said this to some of you before, but what always stands out to me about this verse is that it says, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. But if you walk with fools, you get into trouble. It doesn't say you become a fool, right? Like if you walk with wise, you become wise. If you walk with a fool, it doesn't say then you'll become a fool. It says you get yourself into trouble. And I always find this interesting because I think the, I think the, the like our argument in us is like, I'm not an idiot, like, I'm not going to do what these people do because I'm not a fool. But, and maybe we don't even do what they do necessarily, but we get ourselves into trouble, right? And so we're thinking, well, I'm not going to become a fool. And that's not even what the Bible says. The Bible says you'll get yourself into trouble. So I'll tell you a story. Some of you have heard this story before. If you were in my youth group many years ago. I probably told you the story a few times. But um, when I was about 17 or 18, I used to drive a 1980 Volkswagen Golf. It was silver. It was diesel. When you stepped on the gas on that thing, it would shoot this cloud of black smoke out the back that would just bring environmentalists to their knees, right? Like, it, this thing was awesome. And it was standard so anytime you drive standard, it doesn't matter what car it is, you still feel like you're in a race car. Even if it's a 1980 Volkswagen Golf, you are in a diesel race car. And uh, so one night after youth, I, I come to the stop sign, and my friend who had just bought this, like, this 1980-something Trans Am with, like, an eagle on the hood. Like, I'm not that old. The cars were just old, okay? And uh, they were old then. And... Uh, and he pulls up beside me at this, this light, and we're on Exmouth Street in Sarnia, Ontario. And uh, he kind of goes, vroom, vroom, like this, right? And me and my Volkswagen diesel, I go like, vroom, 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 you know? And, uh, and the light goes green, 
and we like take off, you know, and we're like, you know, we're racing and he's like letting me stay with him probably, but, and uh, we're kind of going like this or whatever, right? And, you know, we come to the next stoplight, we're like looking at each other laughing, like, oh, that was funny. We're so awesome. We're like the coolest kids around. And uh, then we go through the, you know, this other green light and we're just driving beside each other. And then these lights come on behind us, these flashing lights. And this cop car pulls out, like, I, he swings around, pulls out right in front of us, like, so fast, stops, and he's like, you, over there, you, over there. And I am not exaggerating. Like, he was, like, so intense, and he points us into this church parking lot, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and we pull into this church parking lot, and the cop follows, and uh, we spend, like, the next hour there or something as he goes from one car to the next, making us feel like we are terrible people to ensure that we know that we are horrible and we shouldn't have never done this. And I had, I had to go to court. I had to pay a huge fine. I got charged with racing in a 1980 Volkswagen Golf diesel. <laughs> racing. I, like, I don't even think he could do that, right? Like, it's, but anyways, it's, so now truthfully, we, we had just come from youth group. And like, <laughs> like, these kids were good kids and we weren't like, we weren't bad. We were just idiots, right? We were fools, right? And so when you walk with fools, you get yourself into trouble, right? Like you don't, you mature, you grow, you don't necessarily become a fool. You don't someday become an idiot per se, but you get yourself into trouble. And I got myself into trouble and I kept working at Loeb's in the produce department after school to pay off my fine, right? Like, and I had to raise every dollar of it. And uh, it's, you know, you get yourself into trouble. So you're here this morning, and you're, you've said to yourself, well, I mean, whatever. It's not like I'm going to do drugs. It's not like I'm going to get divorced because, like, all my buddies have done that. It's not like I'm going to whatever. It's not like I'm going to drive drunk. It's not like I'm going to, I don't know, whatever the thing is, right? But we get ourselves into trouble, whether we become necessarily like them or not, we end up in trouble if we walk with fools too much, all right? And there's, the other thing about that is we rarely get ourselves into trouble on our own, right? <laughs> like, you know, that night, I'm not going to do, like, I'm not going to get charged with racing if I'm, like, sitting there by myself at this red light. So we, you, you could think about it, and you could think, like, yeah, the times I got in the most trouble, I was with so-and-so, or I was with whatever, right? And, and you know what's also true? The flip side of that is true as well, right? When you walk with the wise, you become wise. Any success you have in your life, if you were to think about it for a while, you'd see that God brought someone into your life that helped you develop the right mindset or helped you walk in a right action. And that, that those, the, the, the flip side, both sides of the coin are true, right? So there's a couple of warnings about friends in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Um, the New Living Translation says, there are friends, in like quotation marks, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And then Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron, sharpens iron, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Okay? And these are the kind of friends that I'm talking about this morning. These are the people that if we could do community well, we'd be able to offer people somebody they could run with who would sharpen them. Who they, they, as iron sharpens iron, their, their friendship would sharpen each other. It would make them better. They'd grow to become more like Jesus as they um, even just stick together. 
And we're meant to stick together. We're meant to do life together. You've heard that saying that we're better together. And I think that's so true in the kingdom of God. In the church that Jesus set up, we're better when we run together. We're better when we're in the pack, right? Like when we're on our own, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable when we're just on our own. And I know there's people in the room and you're like not the most people person ever. Like you're still better together. At the Friday night, we did this personality test thing and uh like I have to admit to myself that I'm a rabbit those of you who weren't there I'm sorry because you won't know what that means but I'm a rabbit and it says about rabbits it says they are people tolerant and I'm like I said to Steve Geyer the comedian after I'm like is it bad for a pastor to be people tolerant <laughs> and uh so anyways he helped me walk through that and uh <laughs> but I don't think that's really true of me but anyways um but we are, we're better together, right? We're better when we run together, when we have people to run with. So one of the things I'd like you to do maybe later today or this week is list your closest friends. Get to, try to get to that number five. Who are your closest friends? Who are you running with? Who are you running with? Try to get to that number of five because if you show me your friends, we'll show you your future, right? And Craig O'Shell said it kind of in a bit of a different way. He said, we can't live a right life with wrong friends. I thought that was interesting, right? We, and, and maybe there's a bit of hyperbole in there, but we can't live a right life with wrong friends. And the Bible tells us that, that good, there's a, like a principle that bad company corrupts good character, right? So we see Proverbs 22, verses 24 to 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty straight, right? It's pretty, pretty harsh. And I go back to that idea that obviously Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. And so we're not talking about not having any friendships with people that aren't a good influence on you. Or that, you know, it's like I have to cut off every friendship of someone who doesn't know Jesus. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying today. But I'm just saying that we need to look at the circle that we run with and see that there be people who can sharpen us, that can help us head in the right direction. If we kind of look at that circle and can't find somebody, then we need to open that circle up, right? We need to get ourselves to a small group. We need to, you know, kind of get involved and see if there's somewhere we can, uh, we can reach out. So, Proverbs 17, 17, so again, we're kind of, we're doing this topical study through the book of Proverbs, so we're looking at a whole bunch of verses through Proverbs, but it, it kind of defines friendship here in Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Okay, a friend is always loyal. I thought that was neat, because we've got three boys, right? So I was like, that's awesome. A brother is born to help in time of need. I'm thinking, that's awesome. They've got some, some they've already got some guys who are going to be there for them in times of need, right? And, uh, but we need to look for, you know, if we don't have any brother brothers, then uh, we've got the family of God here, right, who, who are our brothers and our sisters. But wouldn't it be amazing if we had a handful of people who, like the, the Bible says here, that a friend is always loyal, right? If we could look to a handful of people that are always loyal, that are always looking out for us, that are there when we need them. Again, like as a church, if we could do community well, then there'd be more of us who could look and see, like, yeah, there's people that I'm running with, there's people that are loyal to God, that are loyal to me, that are there when I need them. And one of the things I wanted to point out is it's a real need in our society. So the Sociological Review did this study. They said that North American adults said that they have two close friends. Okay, the average 
um, adult says they have two close friends. But 25 years ago, the average adult said they had six close friends. Okay, so it's been cut in a third in 25 years. And 25% of adults indicated they don't have one close friend. Right? So that's a hard way to live. That's a hard way to get through life. Like when you need a ride, when your car breaks down, who do you call? Like when you have to move and you got all this stuff, who, who are you going to call? Like, you know, just for like seriously, just practical stuff. But so it's a need in our society. What we're talking about here and what the Bible was talking about in the book of Proverbs over and over again. I, I don't know, has anybody ever, you ever used a concordance before? Anybody? So it's a resource that we use for the Bible. So like the one I have is a strong concordance and it's this thick. And it's this tall, it's this big giant thing, right? Now, praise the Lord that you can go on BibleGateway.com or like you can go on StudyLight.org and you can do the same thing without having to find a place for this giant book. But you can, so what I did this week was I opened that thing up and I go to the word friend. And then I look at every single um, time that the word friend comes up in the book of Proverbs. And then I go to friends and look every time the word friends comes up in the book of Proverbs. Then I look at friendship every time the book of in, in the book of Proverbs, when the word friendship comes up and read through it all, right? And so it's just a, like a simple way of, of kind of studying a topic. But it, when it, it, it's talking about loyalty, and, and there, there were so many of these verses, it's important. It's an important thing that we have somebody that we can run with. So let me just give you three really quick reasons um, why this might be happening, like why, why is friendship declining? There's an increase in work hours over the last 25 years. We've seen people's work week grow even though computers were supposed to make that smaller, but uh, anyways. Um, uh, I was reading something that talked about rising divorce rates. It said that divorce rates are hard on families, but they're also hard on friendships. And so rising divorce rates affects the fact that we feel like we have less friends and less close friends. And then there's like the explosion of social media, right? And um, so I'm not going to rail on social media today and say that it's a terrible thing, because as a church, we try to leverage technology wherever we can. And, uh, but... We also want to acknowledge the weaknesses of, of uh, social media. So I, I'm, I'm going to quote Craig Rochelle like three times in this message, but the quote number two is that um, he said, I want to make friends face-to-face, -face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs, -thumbs, right? And uh, so, and th again, there's nothing wrong with that because truthfully, I have a sister who lives in New Brunswick and I have two sisters that live in BC and without social media, I would have to pick up a phone and call them. Like, <laughs> you know... And that would not happen very often. So there is like lots of benefit, right? So there's lots of good that comes out of it. But we also have to acknowledge the weaknesses of it, right? And how that if that was the only way that we had relationships, how limiting that would be. There's something about doing life with people. There's something about being on a team with somebody. Is Paul Limburner in the room? He's not here right now. Well, I'm going to tell a story about him even though he's not here. I, I was going to ask him if I could and I forgot. But uh, like a million years ago, we went on a missions trip to Malawi. And uh, so it's in Africa. And one of the villages we went to, I think it was called Nkota Kota. And it was right on Lake Malawi. It was the hottest place I've ever been in my entire life. It was so humid. And the, the like, people who lived there would come to these, um, these like, sessions that we were putting on wearing a suit jacket and stuff. And I was already, like, we, had, we had to dress up some, so I was, like, sweating through my dress shirt. And I'm like, how are they doing this? But anyways, that's a side note. But when we were there, 
we were eating like whatever they fed us. And right there, it's, it was like we were eating fish heads and uh, these like full little fish and stuff, right? And Paul was less excited about eating the fish heads than I was, okay? And so he was like, I don't remember if this, I, don't, I can't remember exactly how this happened, but I'm pretty sure that at times he would like, because we were trying not to offend people, he would sort of take some of what was on his plate and put it on my plate, right? So that it would all be gone. But, uh, you know, so it was something like that anyways. You might have to ask him for the real de details. He can tell you if that was true or not. But, uh, but I was just, I was trying to think of times like when it was important to have done something with someone else. Like just the shared experience, the importance of a shared experience. And so, you know, it, 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 like with Paul or with someone else, right, when you've done something with them, there's a shared experience. When you've been on a team with them. And even Andrew just said to me this morning, because we're, we're getting ready to sign up for soccer, and he was like, Dad, wasn't that awesome last year when we won that trophy? And uh, what's hilarious is we won the, like, sea consolation or something like that. But that, it, didn't mean, it didn't matter to him, right? But he was like, wasn't that great when we won that trophy? Yeah, it was great. That was awesome. And uh, so, but we have this, like, shared experience, right? And there's something about it that, that, that's important, right? And so we need people in our life when we can point to these shared experiences. We need to, we need to be running with somebody. It's important that we have these shared experiences. So uh, I just want to give you kind of two points here. Um, how do we discover, how do we rediscover the, if there's kind of a lost art of friendship in your life? And that wouldn't be true of everybody. Like one of the things I was thinking about this week is I always get a kick out of, we have like a group of senior citizens at our church who are always like, at, they come to Sunday night church and then they go out to Tim Hortons. Or like if you will find them at one of those establishments during the week, like A&W or McDonald's or Tim Hortons or whatever. And, uh, and I love it because I always think, I always think it's like, it reminds me of youth group. Right, it's, it's just, except for it's, they're a little more mature than we were then, right? But uh, it, they, they, I, they probably don't race between stoplights or whatever, but maybe they do. But, um, but there's like a group of people that are, they're like running mates, right? There's a pack, they're running together, and we need that. We need people that we're running with. And, but how would, so for some people, this isn't even like, uh, you know, you're kind of living it. And so you're just, this morning you're saying amen. And uh, you're seeing the benefit in your life. And then for others, we might have to kind of rediscover how we would do that. And so one of the things, um, one of the things I just wanted to mention is that we be present, okay? So that we be present. When you're with people, be there, be present. Um, develop friendships, be present with people. Again, I'm not saying that cell phones are a terrible thing or whatever, but if we, if, if you're walking down the street and someone else is walking down the street and you just get your phone out because you, you're afraid you might have to acknowledge them if you're not staring at your phone, then, you know, there might be something you might want, you might want to just leave that in your pocket and say, hi, as you go by, right? And uh, it'll change your life. And it'll probably scare them, right? But, uh, but you know, we want to be present with people. And I was reading something this week, um, for those of you who are parents, that it was interesting to me. They said that kids are actually more aware of not being able to get their parents' attention when they're on a phone than, and more frustrated about it then parents are frustrated about their kids being on a device or whatever. And they weren't saying that parents are on their device more than kids, but they're saying that kids feel that frustration and tension more when they're like, hey, mom, hey, dad, or whatever. And, 
you know, it's like just a minute or whatever. They feel that. And so it reminded me of this to all like tell on myself here, but uh, we, on a lot of Friday nights, we do a family movie. We buy pizza and we drink pop and we, uh, and we watch a movie. Sometimes the family movie is more interesting than others, right? <laughs> on some weeks, I'm like, oh, good, we're watching Spongebob or I don't know, like, you know, whatever. And so, I've, so for a couple of times, I would kind of get my phone out and I'd play like this golf clash game on my phone or something. But... But Josiah is like the king of talking through movies. Like, when he gets married someday, his wife, I hope she doesn't mind that he talk. Like, she's going to have to be okay with someone talking through movies. Because he's the king of like, oh yeah, and then what if they did this? It would be so funny. And then he, t- like, it's, so anyways, he, was so, he would do that. And he'd be like, hey, dad, you've been wanting to tell me about something that just happened. That's funny if I knew what just happened. Except for I was just like getting a par on, you know, the third hole, and so I didn't know what happened, and, uh, and so, but anyway, so now I put it away, right, because I'm like, it's true, I'm like, I'm so distracted, right, and I have no idea what he's talking about, and, but, and, and this week I read that, and it made me think, like, man, that's, you know, even more so a good call to kind of tuck it away, right, because I didn't even, we wouldn't even maybe realize that, that they kind of sense and feel that frustration from their side of things, but That's a bit of a side note, but be present with people. And then lastly, be open, okay? So be open. So Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a sincere friend are better, or other translations say can be trusted, than many kisses from an enemy, right? So we need to be open, and we need to be open in a way that a friend of ours could tell us something that we need to hear, right? That might even feel like a wound, but uh, we'd be able to hear it because we're open to them and there's a, that level of relationship that we could keep each other accountable. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Okay? So be open, be forgiving, be sincere. Let's be authentic with people. Um, here's Craig Rochelle, quote number three. But we impress people with our strengths and we connect with people through our weaknesses. Right? So if we can be open, if we can be forgiving, if we can be sincere and authentic with people, then we might impress people but with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. When they see us in a, in a place of weakness, there's a level of connection that doesn't come when there's just like this, the online persona and the filtered you know, perfection that we might show. But uh, we connect with people through our weaknesses. And then I wanted to read you this quote from Christine Kane. It says, it just says, call that friend. Send that family member a text. Hug your neighbor. No action is too small for God to use. Okay, so you're thinking, where do I get started with this? You're like, how do I find a friend? And, uh, but do that small action, right? Send that text. Make that phone call. You know, invite somebody out. Do that thing that you may wish somebody would do for you, right? When you're like, man, why doesn't anybody ever call me or whatever, right? Like, do that for somebody else. Reach out to someone Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check us out online at calvarydunville.ca and like us on Facebook for quick updates about what's happening here at Calvary.